So, Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence and to take the teaching of your word. Father, my prayer tonight is that you yourself, the teacher of all teachers, will be here with us tonight. And through me, O Lord, Father, you help for your word to be delivered unto us. And let your word speak to us, O Lord, even as we desire to walk in your grace. Father, we thank you and we bless you. Let your mighty presence also be with us and lead us in this meeting. Father, we bless you and we honor you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Tonight we are looking at the topic, walking in the grace of God. Walking in the grace of God. Walking in the grace of God. And for this teaching service, we'll look at the following outline. What is the grace of God? Who will receive the grace of God? How we stand in the grace of God. And then we'll draw some conclusions. What is the grace of God? Who will receive the grace of God? How we stand in the grace of God. And then we'll have some conclusion. So walking in the grace of God. And for tonight, for the most part of this session, we'll be taking the amplified version to look at a lot of the scriptures where I believe the word grace has been greatly explained throughout uh, this session, this particular edition. So what is the grace of God? What we are simply saying is that it is God's free and undeserved favor for us. God's free and undeserved favor. We can also say it is an unmerited mercy. Unmerited mercy. Undeserved kindness. Undeserved favor. And even undeserved pardon. Unmerited mercy. Undeserved kindness. Undeserved favor. Undeserved pardon. So what I say, if you look at grace, you and I, it's, it's something that God is just giving to us. It is free. We don't deserve it on our own. It's not something that we deserve. Whether it is favor, mercy, kindness. God just gives to us. And this is what God is calling us. That we should walk in this kindness. This is what we should walk in. So it is not about us. Where you and I can say that. Because I've achieved this. Because I've attained that. Because of my own intellect. Or because of my background. Or because of who I am. That is not the reason. But God is simply saying, you don't even deserve it. Don't bring your own credentials into this matter. It is not who you are. But how God sees us. And then God says, I will give you, I will give you some favor. Now, it comes from God. 
as I've said, is God's undeserved favor for us. And it comes from Him. It comes from the Father. He says, no good thing will He withhold from us. And grace and truth comes by Christ. Can we look at Romans chapter 5, verse 12? Romans chapter 5, verse 12. No, I think, sorry, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Sorry, verse 1. Therefore, Since we are justified, acquitted, declared righteous, and given a right standing with God, through faith, let us grasp the fact that we have the peace of reconciliation to hold and to enjoy peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 2, through him also we have access, that is entrance, introduction by faith into this grace, that is the state of God's favor, in which we are firmly and safely, in which we firmly and safely stand, and let us rejoice and exult in the hope of experiencing and enjoying the glory of God. And in talking about grace, the very fundamental is our own salvation. And can we look at the verse 1 again? Therefore, since we are justified, acquitted, declared righteous, and given a right standing with God, we didn't ask for it. We didn't ask for mercy. We didn't ask to be pardoned. But God just acquitted us. Because God wants to deal with man in love and in grace. That is how God deals with us. In love and in grace. And I would like us to liken it to can you imagine these little children from the Sunshine Band once in a while you see some of them straying to try to go to the gates. They don't know where they are going. They are just going. I'm sure if any adult is walking from here to the gate, nobody bothers to look at who is going, what is going to happen to that person. But when, like Jojo, as I see him always going to the gate, as I see him go, everybody will run after him to go and bring him into the fold. Because God, we all know that such a little child cannot just be allowed to go into the streets. So we all will show concern. Because if we don't go after him, and he goes across the streets. So there is that love and concern for the little children as they go towards the gate or walking on the compound. And that is how God deals with us. In love and in grace. He sees us, he knows our frame, that we are dust. Unless he shows us favor, unless God shows us mercy, unless God comes to our level, we are nothing. And then that's how we should see ourselves. That before God, before God we are the little children who don't know their way about. That is how come God would show us mercy, kindness, favor, grant us pardon. But many of us are not behaving like children. We know how to walk our own way. How do we get mercy and favor? If we can become like little children and say, God, we don't know unless you show us love, unless 
to give me some pardon. I don't know where I'm going. And we need to come to that level. Hallelujah. That is how God wants to deal with us. And when you know the state of the individual, that that person is weak, that person is frail, you are able to come down to show love and concern. And that's how God deals with us. I got some little tuition from Auntie Grace yesterday. I think for the men, we need a course on monopause studies, how we can know our wives very well. Because <laughs> I was beginning to see some strange things. <laughs> so I asked her, what is this? And when she took me through, I realized the problem is not her, but it's me. Because I need to come down and show more grace. <laughs> because sometimes you don't understand. But when you know that that is how it has to be, you need to sympathize with them. And that's how God sympathizes with us. Because sometimes I can go to the gate and come three times. I have left this. I didn't understand. But thank God to grace now I know. That I get to a certain stage, those in the mid-50s, the women, I'm sure you understand. I'm beginning to understand things very well. I have to go searching for mobile phones and this every day. And it happens every day. I didn't know where it say so what is this? Forgetfulness. And that is how God sees us. So after yesterday's evening's tutorials, I realized that is how God looks at us. And I need to change my methods rather. And I see that that's how God treats us graciously. Because when you don't know the states, you think that these things have to be in a certain way. But if that is the frame of man, if that's how the women are after 50-55, men, do we lead? If you are leading, we need to adjust very well. Hallelujah. So God deals with us in love and in grace. So that is the basic thing. How God sees us. If only we allow God to look at us as infants who don't know their way, we'll begin to enjoy the grace of God. Hallelujah. Now having said this, how do we receive grace? First one, who will receive grace? It is to the poor in spirit. Remember we have said it is undeserved. You don't even deserve the pardon. You don't deserve the mercy. And for somebody who doesn't deserve, you need to be poor in spirit. You need to be poor in spirit. Can we look at Luke chapter 18? And we are looking at the Pharisee and the publican. And it's the attitude of the Pharisee and the publican. The Pharisee belonged to the Jewish party. A leader of the synagogue. Strict interpreter of the law. Strict interpreter of traditions. That is how they saw themselves. Publican knew he was nobody. So in Luke chapter 18 verse 9. Let's go at verse 9. He said, he also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves. And were confident that they were righteous. That they were upright in right standing with God and scorned and made nothing of all the rest of men. Such people don't attract the grace of God. He said he scorned all men. I know we have to, we can't run through, but let's just look at the verse 13 and 14. But the task collector merely 
standing at a distance, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven. He looked at himself. I don't even deserve to look at God. I can't even go into the presence of God. How can I go into the presence of God? So he could not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but kept striking his breast, saying, Oh God, be favorable, be gracious, be merciful to me, especially the wicked sinner that I am. And in the verse 14, I tell you, this man went down to his home justified, forgiven and made upright in the right standing with God, rather than the other man. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. So we're talking about the Father who received grace. There are two principal characters. One that we have said, you must be poor in spirit. Here was the Pharisee. He said, looking at his standing, belonging to the Jewish party, and because of his class, he scorned everybody. Other versions says they despised everybody. But we have just read that the Lord said, such people, grace doesn't belong to them. Rather, the one who said, Lord, I'm merciful. He could not even lift up his eyes to look unto God because he realized his own state and knew that looking at God with his holiness and who I am, I don't deserve even to look at him. Show me mercy. And Christ said, he was the one who was justified. I don't know in what position you want to stand. When it comes between you and God, would you want to be a Pharisee who would despise all others, but would say that, Lord, this is my state. I am nobody. I can't even look at you. I cannot even come into your presence. Because when I look at my filthy garments, I don't deserve to be there. And the Lord said, it was this man who was justified. Hallelujah. Following from this, talking about the Father, you need to be poor in spirit, is that you must have a humble spirit. A humble spirit. Because it's about receiving. It's about receiving pardon that you don't deserve. And we need to humble ourselves. Here, yeah, let's look at Matthew chapter 15. Verse 25 to 28. It talks about a Canaanite woman whose daughter was not well and had gone to the Lord. And had gone to the Lord. He said, but she came. Maybe let's start from, yeah, 24. Let's look at 24. 23. And behold, a woman who was a Canaanite from that district came out and with a cloud, with a loud, troublesomely urgent cry, begged, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is miserably and distressingly and cruelly possessed by a demon. But look at it. Christ, he said he did not even answer her a word. Christ did not even answer her a word. And they look at the disciples. And his disciples came and implored him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. Have you been to Christ? Have you been to somebody to make a request? And he will not even look at you. What will be your first reaction? But this woman, let's look at what follows in the verse 24. He said, he answered, I was sent to live into the lordship of the house of Israel. 25. But she came, kneeling, worshipped him, and kept praying, Lord, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not even right and proper, becoming or fair, to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little pups, little pups, eat the crumbs that fall from their 
young master's table. In the verse 28. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you wish. And her daughter was cured from that very moment. She went. Christ would not even answer her. But she was ready to say, no matter what place, Christ said, it's for the Israelites. It doesn't belong to me. I don't deserve. But the woman knew that the help will only come from the Lord. So she persisted. She knew help will come from Zion. Deliverance will come from only Zion. So she persisted. Do we have that attitude? To persist. It's only when we are humble. No matter what place we are placed. No matter where we are put. You may not be from the house of Israel. You may be an ordinary Canaanite. But the lady persisted. And in the process, the request was granted. Are we ready to come that low? Sometimes you may be thrown off. But if you know that that is where your help comes from, if you know that is Zion for you, you will humble yourself and stay there. And your request will be granted. Hallelujah. The other point is that don't think that you are worthy if you want to receive mercy. And that is the problem with a lot of us. We pay so much attention to our credentials and who we think we are. But remember we are looking for pardon that we don't deserve. Remember you are looking for kindness that you don't deserve. And that is not the place to lift up yourself. What is your worthiness before Christ? What is your worthiness before the Lord? So in Luke chapter 7, let's take Luke chapter 7 verse from verse 1. So, so far we looked at the fact that you must be humble in spirit. And the first one was that you must be poor in spirit. And the third one is, I am not worthy. He says, after Jesus had finished all that he had to say in the hearing of the people on the mountain, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a born servant who was held in honor and highly valued by him, who was sick and at the point of death. And when the centurion heard of Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders to him requesting him to come and make his bond servant well. And when they reached Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying, He is worthy that you should do this for him. That is man. Man is saying he is worthy. Man added, he loves our nation. And he built us a synagogue at his own expense. But that is not what Christ is looking at. And when Jesus went to them, but he was not far from the house, that the centurion sent some friends to him saying, Lord, do not trouble yourself. That is the man himself speaking. Don't trouble yourself. Saying, Lord, for I am not sufficiently worthy to have you come under my roof. Neither did I consider myself worthy to come to you. But just speak a word and my servant boy will be healed. For I also am a man daily subject to authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my bond servant, do this, and he does it. Now, when Jesus heard this, it was not about the synagogue. But when Jesus heard the man saying, I am not worthy even to come to you. For you to come to my house. When Jesus heard this, he marveled at him. And he turned and said to the crowd that followed him, I tell you, not even in all Israel 
Have I found such great faith? It was not about the synagogue that he had built. But the man said, I'm not worthy. Let's not go to God that I have built the biggest church at my own expense. But Lord, I'm not worthy. I need to give a low thought of myself before him and high thoughts of God. That is how you will get mercy. You will get grace. But if you go to him saying, I am this, I am that. Unless you lift up God, unless you lift Christ, mercy will not come. Yes, he was an army captain or commander or had built a synagogue. But it was when he came to the point that I am not worthy to come into your presence. For you to come under my root. Christ said, from what I have heard, the healing will come. Hallelujah. The fourth point is that you need to have a broken heart to receive grace. You need to have a broken heart. Then you will experience the love and grace of God. We all know Psalm 51. If you have time, you can read the whole of 19 verses. It was at a point where David had that contract spirit. When he came to that level, totally broken, and knew that there was no help from anywhere else. When he was completely broken, it was at that point that help came. The same applied to Saul or Paul in Acts chapter, Acts chapter 9 verse 6. It was at a point where Saul said, Lord, what will you have thou to do? Unless we come to the point and know that we have met Christ what would you have me to do? It is when we come to that point that the forgiving grace of the master will flow towards you. Have you come to the point where you know that, Lord, what would you want me to do? As Paul intimated. Or the criminal on the cross when he said, Lord, Remember me in your, parallel, in your kingdom. It was at that point. When he was completely broken, grace will come when you and I are completely broken. Then grace will come. But if we are not completely broken and we still think that our hearts are strong, then help will not come. If you want grace, have that broken heart and cry out to the Lord and it will be forthcoming. Hallelujah. The fifth point on those who receive grace is those who have completely emptied themselves of what I will call self. Nothing in me Nothing in me. Again, remember we are talking about something I don't deserve. So look at Zacchaeus. In Luke chapter 19. Verse 1 to 9. Here was a man of dignity. A man of importance. Very influential. But he have to empty everything at a point. And Jesus entered Jericho and passing through it. And there was a man called Zacchaeus. A chief tax collector. And he was rich. And he was trying to see Jesus. 
which one he was. But he could not on account of the crowd, because he was small in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up in the sycamore tree in order to see him. For he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus reached the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down, and he received and welcomed him joyfully. And when the people saw it, they all muttered among themselves and indignantly complained, He has gone to be with the guest of and lodge with the man who is devoted to sin and preeminently a sinner. So then Zacchaeus stood up. Honestly, I didn't, the Bible doesn't record what Christ said or what he heard. But there came a point that Zacchaeus stood up and solemnly declared to the Lord, See, Lord, the half of my goods I now give by way of restoration to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I now restore four times as much. And Jesus said to him, that is after he had emptied himself, virtually given everything away, Jesus said to him, today is messianic and spiritual salvation come to all the members of this household. Since Zacchaeus too is a real spiritual son of Abraham. I don't know what you are still holding, but his dignity and everything, he emptied it. It was not the possessions. If you are still holding on to the possessions, then you don't deserve anything. But Zacchaeus emptied himself of everything. But then so far, so I have touched on those who desire to receive grace. You need to be poor in spirit. Come of the humble spirit. Those who say, I am not worthy. Those who come with a broken heart. And those who have emptied themselves of their self. But in Romans chapter 5, we'll go against Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Let's see, let's look at the King James. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, King James. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom also we have access by faith in this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So if you take the verses 1 and 2, first is our salvation. Second point is that we stand in grace. And then from grace, we are looking for the coming glory. So what is before us, which is the best, is yet to come. And in looking at this, you and I are standing in grace. You and I are standing in grace. A time that we need favor, we need mercy, we need kindness. So now having dealt with those who desire it, you and I who stand in grace, what should be our attitude? How should we walk in this grace? And here I would like to identify with Paul in First Timothy chapter 1. Verses 12 to 16. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 to 16. And here, let's take the NLT. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him. Even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ, 
In my insolence, I persecuted his people. But God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that came from Christ. This is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Christ, Jesus came into the world to save sinners and I am the worst of all of them. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even worse sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. And that's why here, like I said, I'd like to identify with Paul that we are not even worthy to handle the gospel. You and I. Because if you look at Matthew 13, 17, we tell you it was even hidden from the wise. It was hidden from the prudent. It was hidden from many prophets. It was hidden from many righteous men. But today look at me standing here. Talk, preaching the gospel. Who am I? Something that was hidden from the prophets. If you read Matthew 13 verse 17. It will tell you. It was hidden from prophets. It was hidden from righteous men. It was hidden from the wise. It was hidden from the prudent. But today I stand here. Even to preach the gospel. Who am I? Who am I? I ask myself. But grace. But grace. Have found me to be standing here. This evening. When God grants us something. We need to look at how Paul says this. It is grace. Sometimes when I live amongst us. I see by the Ike sitting here. You know, he and I were mates at Legon first three years. Joining the queue at Legon Hall together. And sometimes by the Ike calls me Pastor Kweku. It is grace. It is grace. Sometimes I look at Brother Fred. He and I were ordained in 1994 as deacons. How they will address you. It humbles me. I look at the general. The whole city. Sometimes we go to some military functions. He says, this is my pastor. It's humbling. But it's because of grace. Sometimes I see Sister Ivan Ketia. She was my Sunday school teacher. He says, Osofu. But it's grace. Tonight, as we continue to look at how we should walk in this grace, we should know that it is not from me. There's no real advantage. But grace has made it possible for me to be standing here tonight. Are we ready to walk in grace? And that is humbling. It is not because I stand here. I'm better than anybody. But grace. Even the understanding of the word. The understanding. That you can even read the Bible. And receive understanding. Sunday school teachers. Today is our week. It is grace. It is grace. That people can sit around you. And you are the teacher. Count it bless. Count it bless. I'm sure as you sit around. Some are five older than you. Some of them can be your parents. But as they sit before you. Because of the word. It is grace. And as we begin to do these things. And come down. Grace will abound. There will be more grace. Hallelujah. 
Then I'm asking myself, even some of the benefits of grace that we should not even boast. You know, sometimes we can boast and even look down on others. But it is grace. Let's look at Titus chapter 2, verse 11 to 14. Let's go back to the Amplified. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 to 14. It says, For the grace of God, His unmerited favor and blessing has come forward, appeared for the deliverance from sin. And the eternal salvation for all mankind. It has trained us to reject and to renounce all ungodliness, irreligion, and worldly passionate desires. To live discreet, temperate, self-controlled, upright, devout, spiritually whole lives in this present world. Are waiting and looking for the fulfillment, the realization of our blessed hope, even the glorious appearing of our great God and the Savior, Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Let's go back to the verse 11. It is grace, so that unmerited favor that has appeared to all men. And the verse 12. It is this grace that helps me, you and I, to reject and renounce all ungodliness. And when that grace does not appear to you, you know, sometimes even as parents, we are hard on people. Do this. We need to pray for grace. Sometimes it is not them. But that grace will help people renounce all the ungodliness. For those of you who are a bit older, in the late 1960s, when we had the National Commission for Civic Education, Dr. Buzia was then the, I think, the director. There was a small booklet, courtesy for boys and girls. But it didn't make us courteous. didn't make it courteous. Some of us went to secondary school. School discipline. It didn't change us. Because grace hadn't come to some people. But when grace comes, you become another man. So this grace will let us reject and renounce all ungodliness. If we need to pray, is that, Lord, we need more grace so that I can even renounce and reject all ungodliness. The worldly desires, unless the Lord comes in. Remember, we are, we are dealing with power struggle between the power of darkness and the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is not ordinary attitude. There's a power to be broken. But when grace comes in, the worldly desires will disappear. To live discreet, temperate, self-controlled, upright, devout, spiritually whole, lives in this present world, it will take the grace of God. Sometimes even as parents, you learn about this person who is stubborn, he is this, he is that. Sometimes all what you are saying, he has said it, but he hasn't heard. If only we can pray more for the Lord to have mercy, that power will be broken. That power will be broken. And we need that special grace. Even to do what is right, you need special grace. When that grace comes, it's a different thing. Sometimes even how to connect to people. 
It is not that easy. I was saying myself, I've learned all the public relations and the communications. And I was even the PR personality for the year 2004, the first person. But when it comes to connecting, I don't think the grace that Reverend Sun has, I have it. But I've gone to study public relations. I've gone to study communications. But I'm telling you, it takes a certain grace. And that is real. I will be good at doing the strategic thinking. But when it comes to personal connection, I can be very boring. But Reverend and Son can connect. That is the grace he has. And that is why we shouldn't believe, you know, it's from God. And that's why when God gives it to you, he said, that is why we all should treasure what God gives to us. Because it doesn't come cheap. So we should celebrate. When anybody, I mean, whatever grace someone has, you should be happy for that person. He said, because like I said, I have done it. I was in PR for almost 30 years. But it's all book. <laughs> but we need to get to the ground. That the political party full soldiers, they are on the ground. <laughs> I said they don't use it right. <laughs> but that grace, and grace means it comes effortlessly. There is no, it just flows because God has made it to appear. And that's how we should walk. The benefits of grace again. You know, grace opens doors. To us. I'm not talking about someone walking in the grace and some of the benefits. It opens doors. Today, difficulty in getting jobs. But when people even get a job, they don't even appreciate what God has done. If you look at it, I mean, I I think those who wrote the BEC over 500,000, but those who are doing their national sales about 77,000, I ask myself, 500,000 to 77. Where are the rest? Unless God gives you grace and an opening comes. That's why sometimes when I go to some of these shops and banks and some of these ladies are doing their petri petrating, I say, If you know what God has done for you, to have a job to do. Brethren, those of you who have jobs to do, we need to thank God. But I believe sometimes, because some of us don't even wait on God to get those jobs, we don't appreciate the grace. But if God, if you had fasted, and God had given you the job, you appreciate the job that you are doing. But these days, you have some parents, even the GEC, you have some schools that they say they bought the papers. And vigilators say copy. When you finish, your father holds your hand. Go and pay and get a job for you. So you don't even appreciate godliness. But if you have waited on the Lord, and it's God who has given you a job to do, when somebody comes to your office, you will thank God that you have a job to do. But that is grace. That is grace. And this grace puts you into a certain favor. Sometimes when I look back, I remember in December 1981, 25-year-old man. I don't know whether I can even add man at that point. <laughs> 25. Then I was called. said, you are wanted at the castle. So it was then Dr. Nabila. says, we want to make you the assistant press secretary to President Liman. Who am I? I have no party card. You understand? I had no party card. I said that was Greece. Assistant Secretary to the President of the Republic of Ghana. And I, I didn't know anybody. 
So I went to meet Dr. Nabil. I said that two weeks after that, Rollins did his thing, his second attempt. <laughs> so that aborted it. Otherwise, it means that you have no my CV. Assistant Secretary to the President of the Republic of Ghana. <laughs> Today, some two men were fighting at GTV for some two, three minutes because somebody had just said, Nanado, he didn't add president, and they were fighting adults. Anyway, that's for another matter. <laughs> but that is grace that I'm saying. I didn't have any party card. I didn't know anybody at the castle. I don't even know where it came from. That is God's favor. In 1983, again, I recall, in those days, they are said that every president who goes to Taco Abosu and come back, you're overthrown. And Georg had opened the Abosu glass factory, and you had invited Jerry Rollins. Sorry, let me add, Friday Lieutenant, former president. And they said the helicopter will be arriving. Here we have over 25 general managers, two deputy managing directors and managing director. Small boy standing by somewhere. They said, you should go and meet the chairman of the PNDs. And those were the days that former President Rawlings was former President Rawlings. Today, anybody can just walk into his presence. But I'm saying, at that age, I didn't know anybody. So I was selected, went to meet this man at the school park, the helicopter landed. Me and him alone sat in the peace goer. <laughs> the only thing we spoke was, good morning, silent trade, so we went can you imagine driving in this taco area with Rollins in the Peace Goa? But what I'm saying is that for me to have been selected to go and even bring President Rollins, though the chairman of PNDC, and also being considered even press secretary, I'm saying, in all of this, I'm looking at myself, what credentials? It took the grace of God. That is what grace can do. It is grace. So he grace opens doors. And that's what I'm saying. So young men and women, if this grace opens the door for you, then it is not you to go and start boasting that it is me. You may have your first class, masters, and what have you. But remember, it is grace. Never forget that it is grace. Never. If you are truly a child of God, never forget that it is grace. Don't think it's, yes. Of course, you are not discounting your personal efforts that you would have done. But it is God who opens the door for that smooth entrance for you. The same grace enables us as we walk in it to accomplish things and to give him glory. Again, just looking at my former place, Snit was struggling to do some serious technical innovations. It has taken four attempts. And this time they were just fighting among themselves. But I realized God's presence. So in April 2013, I was appointed to go and lead that team to bring about the transformation. I had no idea about those technical things. The only thing I went and sent to the table was the presence of God with me. And because of this presence, people who were fighting until April 2013, we had peace. Until February 2016, immediately I left, they started fighting again. Then I remember Solomon. God said, I will give you rest. All around you. And Solomon built. 
the house of God. It was not through me, but God, through his grace. So for almost three years, there was peace. But eventually said they were working for me. But they were working for God. They were always fighting among themselves. Those in the IT, so, so, and people having their connections fighting. The only person I knew was God. And God sends rest and peace. So for almost three years, for the first time, they were able to do, were able to do a lot. And apparently one lady I had stood even in her church to confess that when, when they were bringing her, I resisted. They didn't mind, but she herself stood in her church and confessed that actually she was brought there to come and make that the project failed. They are saying, oh, you know, we are not living in an ordinary world. We are in a strange world. People can be evil and wicked. Let it fail so that my name, they didn't know I went there of God's presence. And that is what grace does. But on the day I was leaving, she was shedding tears. I hope it was not crocodile tears though. But that is what grace does. Grace gives us the power even to bear pain. Second Corinthians chapter 12 verses 7 to 9. <clears throat> and we all know about it. Where Paul had a thorn. And to keep me from being puffed up and too much elated by the exceeding greatness, preeminence of these revelations, there was giving me a thorn a splinter in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to rick and buffet and harass me, to keep me from being what excessively exalted. Three times I called upon the Lord and besought him about this and begged that it might depart from me. But he said, but he said, my grace, my grace, my favor, my loving kindness and mercy is enough for you. Bernard, that's all what we all need. I'm sure we all desire roses. But there's a thorn that comes with the rose. The pain may come. The weaknesses may come. Some flaws may be in there. But God says His grace is sufficient. For all we children who walk in this faith, as Paul said, he said, I prayed, don't pray for God to take away the thorn. As there was a reason why God brought it, he said, so that you don't even be boasting. Sometimes we need these things to make us humble. And that was the thorn that was sent, for which God will not even take it away, so that Paul will not boast. I don't know what thorn do we have in our lives. But what God says elects us for grace. And he will see us through. It is grace. As we conclude, what we also need to know is that there can be a fall away from grace. And we need to be careful. There can be a fall away from grace. And when you mess up with grace, there could be disgrace. When you mess up with the grace of God, you may be disgraced. So as this grace comes, let's learn to walk and to please Him. Let's learn to walk and to please him because, but for him, we won't have what we have. And he gives us the grace so that we'll walk to please him. And last but not the least, because it is grace, our whole life should be a life of thanksgiving. 
Because but for Christ, who am I to stand here? So the whole life for all of us, if we say we want to walk in Greece, always thanksgiving in our hearts, on our lips, thanking God because we didn't deserve the kindness. We didn't deserve the mercy. We didn't deserve the pardon. We didn't deserve the favor. But God decided to give it to us. So it's a life of thanksgiving. And we can tonight sing the chorus. Your grace and mercy has brought me through. I'm living this moment because of you. I want to thank you and praise you too. Your grace and mercy has brought me through. Shall we be outstanding as we take this song from the Mississippi Mass Choir? Your grace and mercy. Your grace and mercy brought me through. Mm, I'm living this moment because of you. Mm, I want to thank you. Praise you too. Mm, your, your grace and mercy brought me through. Your grace and mercy brought me through. I'm leaving this moment because of because of our own strength. It's not because of who we are. But His grace. But His grace. Because of His grace, you and I can stand here. Even at salvation, somebody has heard the gospel several times, but still hasn't heard. But you and I, Grace has found us. It appeared to all men. But still, some people haven't received it. And I will not walk in it. But grace has appeared to you and I. Our godliness, our consecration, our sanctification, the holy life that you and I, we say we are living, is because of His grace. It's because of His grace. The job that I have, the job that you have, the home that you have, the husband that you have, 
the wife that you have, the children that you have, the nation that we have, is grace. It's grace. Even the tongue that I have, the tongue that you have in your flesh, it's His grace. It's His grace. It's His grace. Oh yes. God me through. Oh yes. Your grace and mercy brought me through. I'm leaving this moment because of you. And I want to Your grace and mercy 